Ten years ago, I got a call from a high school buddy, my friend Pat. He said, hey, you're on Glenn Beck. I said, what do you mean? I had just finished an interview with Maria Bartiromo, and I was at a, a NBC studio because she was on CNBC at the time. I'm like, come on, man. I'm on with, with Maria Bartiromo, and you're telling me I'm on with Glenn Beck? Give me my due. I'm on with the beautiful lady. Not Glenn Beck. He said, no, no, you're on Glenn Beck. And I said, are you kidding me? So I asked the green room, can we switch from NBC to Fox? Which wasn't easy. I had to con him into it. But they did. And I switched it over. And there he is, the man himself, Glenn Beck, on Fox, talking, reading my report to the Pentagon that I didn't even know was out. And he's reading all the things that I'm worried about, economic warfare and so forth. And, and he looks at one time at the camera and he says, man, this is dire stuff. It's scary stuff. I'll bet this guy gets invited to fewer parties than I do. So I can thank Glenn for that. I've been hassled for years that I get invited to fewer parties than Glenn. Well, we have a special episode today in the Economic War Room. We have my guest, uh, friend, one of the great hosts on Blaze TV, where Economic War Room is placed, and that is the great Glenn Beck. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you so much. What a nice uh, introduction. It's always neat to hear how people we first kind of met, because parts of my life been such a whirlwind i don't i don't necessarily remember but i do remember reading your report thinking holy cow this is trouble this is real trouble thank you for everything you've done well you know for a guy that uh, puts trouble on the chalkboard every week and is just constantly telling us yeah. we've got to worry about the muslim brotherhood and about emp and all the other issues that you've that you've carried uh you know we live in some pretty crazy times don't we we do, and I think they're about to get more crazy. I mean, you would be better on this than I would, but uh, if we don't turn to God, we are in real trouble because the the things that we are doing to the economy are... Today, I was really struck with uh, how reminiscent they are on all of the policies that caused the Great Depression. Uh, you know, everywhere else in the world, it was just the Depression. But here, we just started experimenting with things. Uh, and it caused the Great Depression, caused it to go on for more than a decade. Uh, and I have a feeling we, we could be very close to losing a, a whole generation um, if, we, if we don't free up the people and free up the, the actual free market and stop uh, picking winners and losers and, and experimenting with the economy. You know, we did that. The Great New Deal was a terrible deal. And Burton Folsom, I guess from Hillsdale College, wrote a book. I was just looking at it last night. You know, it's a powerful book, told us all the mistakes that we made. And we're making mistakes now, and we don't even realize it. I, we just had Mitzi Perdue on the show, uh, and she talked about the ag industry and how we're literally destroying it because nobody, everybody thinks they get their food from a supermarket or the, a grocery store. They have no idea a farmer has to produce that food. Mm -hmm. I think we lost a lot when we lost the ag nature of this of this country. You know, we were all farmers for a while. Uh, and once we once we disconnected from the farm, I mean, uh, I have a ranch and we raise about 100 head of cattle. And and it's interesting uh, being a city person my adult life. To come back to a farm and have watch it now through my children's eyes, everything makes sense. And and you see the circle of life and you see, you know, uh, how life really works, how it's created, how it dies, 
uh, what it what you need. Um, and and it's just it's a it's a great equalizer. You know, farmers are different because they know they can do everything. But if it's if it if it's you know God's will, or if the the nature just uh, you know decides to provide lots of rain, all of their best work is washed out, and they don't look to anybody else. They realize that their neighbors are going to have to help, and they're going to have to help their neighbors because if they go down this year, maybe their neighbor goes down next year, and if the neighbor's not helping. You know, then they're not going to be helped the next year. And it, it provides a community that we have completely lost. But it's a community of those that are individualists that believe in liberty versus a com the other type of community. You know, we, we just did a contrast. Uh, uh, one media titan, Mike Bloomberg, you know, the former mayor, he says, it doesn't take that much gray matter to be a farmer. You poke a hole in the ground, you drop a seed in, you put dirt over it and you water it. Contrasted with another media titan, one of my heroes, the great Paul Harvey, who says, and God made a farmer. Big, big contrast. One is individual I liberty. The I other... will tell you. Go ahead. I, I went to, uh, when I first uh, bought our ranch, I made friends with all the farmers and said, I, I, I'm from New York. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. And I saw a lot of people who were preppers move into the area. They have all gone bankrupt because they thought, just like Bloomberg, it doesn't take very much. Yeah. And they bought all this expensive equipment and everything else, and they all went under. Um, there is a great uh, skill. What One of the guys um, wanted to raise buffalo, and even I know this. Buffalo, I live right across the street from the Perot uh, Ranch, where he had buffalo for years. And you leave buffalo alone. They, you, don't, you just leave them alone. When they're birthing, you don't go in and help them birth. You leave them alone. Um, and this guy want, just thought, oh, well, it's like raising cows. Mm, no. Uh, and after he was almost trampled to death and, and everything just fell apart on him, he realized, oh, there's there's uh, something to be said for people who have knowledge of this and have done it for a long time. Right. Well, and the problem is, is the contrast between Bloomberg and and um, Paul Harvey is really a contrast of world systems. I mean, the, the Mike Bloomberg's believe in the socialist collective. They don't believe in individual liberty. The American farmer has to believe in individual liberty. You, you've got to have that liberty or you can't grow the food. And that leads us to your new book, which is Arguing with Socialists, where you contrast two world systems. I love the book. I'm so glad that you brought it out. What was your motivation to write it? I think we are looking at a generation. I mean, think about it this way, Kevin, that if you are 25 years old, you were born, uh, if it was this week or last week, uh, right during the Oklahoma City bombing. So you have that's where that's where your America begins. You don't even remember that America. But that's what, you know, for us who are older, that wasn't the America that we grew up in. That, that there was a huge change there. Um, and so your first memory is 9-11, really, probably. And you might remember war. You might remember uh, economic instability, uh, fear. Then your next big event is 2008, where maybe mom and dad lost the house, lost their job, lost their savings. 
Uh, you had fear again. You saw the big banks get bailed out, corruption. Uh, then you just w w went through this this horrible uh, debate back and forth with politics. And then your next big event is COVID-19, where we shut down the country and businesses are going out. Maybe mom and dad are going to lose everything. You're 25 years old. You've never seen this work. Oh. You, you, you look at it from that perspective and you would and who would like capitalism? No, that's, that's but the problem point. is it's not capitalism. We haven't done the free market in forever. We are less free in business than they are in the blessed Sweden. And blessed Sweden is not socialist. Uh, they even say that. The prime minister came out and said that. Well, they tried so it. What it we failed. did is, yes, it did. And they were the, one of the only ones that didn't have to leave through revolution because they're Swedes. Um, so they didn't have a revolution to get rid of socialism. That's a rare thing, as rare as us finding freedom and then holding on to it in, in the 1700s. It's very rare. No, you're right. We are sitting here at a time where you have to look at the free market and you have to say, you know, there's real problems because it's not a free market. Government is picking and choosing winners and losers. And those businesses are getting into bed with the government. Big tech is the biggest example right now where they're looking for authoritative truth. What the heck does that even mean? Authoritative truth. That should scare everybody to the bone when you have high tech that's controlling all of the news and then you have government saying, nope, this is the authoritative answer and you will protect it and make sure you silence any voices. That's terrifying. Well, and that's what we're seeing so with we COVID-19. Go ahead. That's exactly what we're seeing with COVID-19 is we're seeing government and big tech coming together. You know, when I first picked up the book, I thought, you know, hey, wait, Glenn wrote this years ago. And I saw the title, Arguing with Socialists. And I, wrote, and I went to my bookshelf, and actually you wrote Arguing with Idiots a couple of years ago. And I thought, well, maybe it's a companion book. Is it a re No, it's actually <laughs> new information. And it's really, really yeah. powerful because it does something important. Now, in the economic war room, as you know, our purpose here is to help one generation pass on liberty to the next generation. And that's what we do with every show. We try and give ways to do it. You've given a whole book that grandparents and parents can pick up, they can read for themselves, improve their arguments for liberty, and then they could give it as a perfect graduation gift. Hey, read this. And I love it because it's simple, it's easy to read, it's fun, it's got little, little, little sidebars and little notes and fun facts. All the things that young people talk, the way they talk, in their language, and you just completely destroy the lies and the arguments of the Bernie Sanders and the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes. So I, I will tell you that we did this because um, the book Arguing with Idiots uh, was a very popular book. and. Over the 10 years since that came out, um, I've had so many people who are now 25 or 30 say, I, I remember that book. My parents or my grandparents gave it to me for my birthday or whatever. And I used it in school. I used it in high school. I used it in college because it has about 100 pages of footnotes at the very back. So you don't quote me and you don't quote conservatives. I mean, we really looked for... You know, if something came back and it was from the Heritage Foundation, great. 
go find that fact from something that somebody on the left would not immediately dismiss. We've taken all of their own words and we have shown both sides and not done any kind of straw man. I had a guy write to me, he said, last summer I was uh, a delegate at the Communist Party convention. He said he was about 30 years old. He said, I grew up listening to you, or 25. He said, I grew up listening to you with my parents, and I rejected all of that stuff. Then I went into college, and I did it even more, and I was indoctrinated. He said, but I believed it. He said, when COVID happened, I happened to be home, and I started listening to you again. And he said, when you said the book was out, my parents bought this book. And he said, they left it. He said, I can't thank you enough. He said, I, I am back to where I was when I was a kid. He said, I understand the arguments. It's the first time that I see my strong argument and someone else that can take it apart and say, no, this is why it doesn't work. So it's it's really effective for for kids. No, I think it's great. And for young adults. Absolutely. And, you know, we just had Dr. Mary Graybar in the Economic War Room just a couple of episodes ago, and she's the author of the book Debunking Howard Zinn. And the problem is, is our young people are mm. reading Howard Zinn and they're getting this fake history. And we hear fake news. They're getting fake history yeah. that makes America the bad guy. And America is not the bad guy. And then it, it attacks free market capitalism and promotes communism. But what you've done here is contrast two systems. You've contrast individual liberty with collective control. And I love that. Wait, tell me what mm -hmm. are some of your favorite arguments about differentiating collective control and individual liberty? One of the one of my favorite things is right at the very beginning, because, um, you know, we use words all the time and they have different meanings to different people. And my my father, when I was growing up, I wanted to talk to him about God. And he said, um, OK, well, the first thing we have to do is stop calling him God. And I said, what? And he said, God will mean something to you that is different than what it means to me. He said, so there's so much, so much confusion around that. And he said, it's just little, maybe even subtle differences. So we have to start on neutral ground. He said, let's call it first cause. He said, what is it? Maybe the Big Bang happened. Well, what lit the fuse of the Big Bang? That's first cause. What first pushed that stone? He said, that's God. Now it's stripped clean of everything. So I started with defining words in this. And one of the things that um, is very, very helpful is communism has never been done. We think of communist countries uh, like the Soviet Union, the Eastern Bloc, people our age, and it's been allowed to be called communist because it separates it from socialism. It's different than socialism. Well, no, communism has never been done. They try, but it is, there are three systems, the free market, then communism, and then the in-between, the vehicle to take you from one to another, which is socialism. Socialism is the one where you need the gulags and the strongmen in power and the corruption and everything else. Communism is the utopian that I think only will happen when Jesus is here, where everybody is on the same page and we all, you know, are not greedy and la, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not going to happen without Jesus. 
But that's the utopia. That's never been done. And it's it, it never, can't be done. ever been achieved. It can't be and done. And socialism in is made to look like this nice thing, and it's not. That's the death squad one, not communism, socialism. No, that's a good point. I, it can't be done in human terms. The Plymouth Colony tried it. They've tried it. And you put that in your book. You put examples where even in Dallas, in Dallas, they attempted it. it. It just doesn't work because you remove incentive from the system that God created uh, that we live in now, and it doesn't work. It, it never has. I love that story. I mean, Reunion Tower. How many people even know what Reunion Tower is? In Dallas, uh, Reunion was one of the very first uh, socialist communities uh, or communist at the time uh, that was attempted here in America back in the late 1800s. And it was it was built by the best scholars on Marx uh, in, in the world that came from France. They came over here. They tried to get it going. And what happened was it, you could work unless you were sick. If you were sick or old, you were kicked out of the community because they couldn't carry anyone else. So it's just the same as Nazi Germany or communism. Once you get too old or if you're sick and you can't work, you're a burden. And when it's the whole country, they don't send you to another country. They just kill you. And that whole thing just ended exactly the same way they always end. It just collapsed on itself and it was over. You know... Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you, you kind of mention them in your book, you spoof them a little bit, but the reality is they don't come across all that bright to a lot of people. And I'm telling you, when you look at that, you wonder who's behind them, who's pulling the strings? What do you think? Oh, um, there are a lot of people that are pulling the strings. If you look in, I did an episode on uh, who was behind Bernie Sanders. And the people that he has uh, on board are absolute revolutionaries, Marxist revolutionaries. Uh, they are dangerous, dangerous people. Um, but they're people that believe it. Uh, how many people who are fighting for freedom and individual li liberty can even explain it? You know, they, they might believe it, but they can't explain it. You know, th this, this idea that we are all now getting... Uh, $1,200 checks if you're in a certain income bracket. Well, part of that is reasonable because the government told us we couldn't work. So they caused us harm. So you need to make me whole. But they're not making everybody whole. Um, and the banks are getting, you know, what was it I read today? $10 billion in fees uh, that they're getting just from the, uh, the SBA loans, the right. PPP. That's insanity. Uh, so, again, winners and losers. But how many people are willing to say, you know what, I'm making more money now uh, that I'm not working. I get more money from the government. I don't think I want that job. When they talk about universal basic income, $2,000 a month for everybody who makes less than $130,000 a year, how many Americans who think they believe in the free market uh, are just going to go, no, 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 that's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. Yeah. Believing in something is only worth it when it costs you something. <laughs> that's when your belief has to kick in, when it's tough. Well, you know, it gets tough. In the first order, you get your check. But in the second order, if you go with a full communist system or a socialist system, you get told you have to work 
If you don't contribute, you don't eat. That's in the Soviet Constitution. It's also in the Bible, by the way. Any man who shall not work, neither shall he mm. eat. Paul wrote that. But it's in the Soviet Constitution. If you don't work, you don't eat. And you're going to do the work we tell you you have to do. And I don't think young people grasp that. I don't think they get the idea that they're going to be told not only what work they have to do, when they work, how they work. They're not going to like that. Then they're going to be told what they can consume when they work. When you make money, what do you get to buy? Well, the social credit system says if you've been good and, and done everything we want you to do, then you get to buy things mm -hmm. and you only get to buy the one choice that's available in the stores. I don't think people get that's yeah, this where is things the, head. No, they don't, they don't understand that. They don't understand that what tech is doing right now is, is lubing up that whole uh, uh, social credit system. We're seeing it, um, you know, chapter six, I think of this book talks about um, modern monetary theory, which I know you're aware, very well aware of, which I think we're now doing at the Fed level, we're now doing modern monetary. Um, it's the only way that any of this can happen. Just print money doesn't matter. Right. Well, there are huge ramifications down the road for that, but there's also as soon as the government gets its teeth into something, it's not going to let go. Like with tech, tech is offering them all of this information. When this crisis is over, you think it. they're going to stop taking that information? Yep. It's heroin to them. It's heroin. Yep. And um, we're making, in the name of an emergency, we're making massive, massive mistakes. China is is Orwell in 1984, uh, but the West is uh, or yeah 1984. The West is Brave New World. You know, same result. Yeah, no, no question. I pulled off my shelf last night a book uh, that was given to me by a friend of my father's, a guy I get got to hung, hang around with a little bit. His name was W. Cleon Skousen, and he wrote the book The Naked oh, I Communist. Him. And I I printed mm -hmm. off the internet the 45 declared goals for the communist takeover of America. And all these young people, when they're writing, when they're, they're saying, we've got to have socialism, we're the pro-Bernie crowd, that group of young people doesn't realize that they are following the KGB Soviet Union playbook to a T. And this was written in 1958. It was entered in the congressional record in 1963. And there's 45 goals here. And I'll just read a couple of them. Uh, permit free trade between all nations regardless of communist affiliation. Well, we've done that. We, that's how we got in so much trouble with China. Mm -hmm. Provide American aid to all nations regardless of communist domination. We've, we've for, we uh, overlooked Taiwan, the free chi uh, Chinese people, and we favored, most favored nation, the communist Chinese. Uh, eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship. Break down cultural standards of morality. Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Eliminate prayer from schools. Discredit the Constitution. Discredit the Founding Fathers. Belittle all forms of American culture. Capture one or more political parties. Get control of the schools. Use student riots to form public protests. Infiltrate the infiltrate the press, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures, continue discrediting Amer American culture, control art so that it's degraded. All of these things, every single one of them I've seen carried out, and I see right now the execution of it, as you've described in your book, being the young people, oh, I'm socialist, this sounds good, let's do this. Is that what you've been seeing? Yeah, um, and because they don't know 
the truth. I mean, you're talking about Skousen. The Making of America is one of the best history books uh, that were was written in America, uh, written by him. Uh, the Five Thousand Year Leap, which is is gold, literal free market gold, it's on our shelf right now. written by him. Yep. No. Yeah, and he was uh, he was discredited, and you know they came after him. If if we would just teach our children the five thousand year leap, uh, and really understand what took us from fire to space in two hundred years, uh, we wouldn't have the problems that we have right now. No, nope. it's not a coincidence that man cooked with fire for thousands of years. And within a hundred years, we're, you know, cooking on stoves. We have indoor plumbing. We, you know, a few years after that, we have microwave ovens. I mean, it's not a coincidence. It's freedom. Free market capitalism has brought more people out of abject poverty than any other system in the history of the world. You're absolutely right. And young yep. people, you know, if you're a young person and you're in an oppressed society, you're actually yearning for freedom, for liberty. And so you go to those places where there's mass oppression and you see the young people are the ones that most favor the idea of liberty and freedom. But you come to the America where we've had it spoiled, we've been good, we've been taught fake history, not the 5,000 year leap, but fake history. We had Lieutenant General Stephen Quast in here who was the head of all training for the Air Force. He grew up on the mission field, is a great, great general, just retired, and he talks about the opportunities of space, but they require liberty, just like you make the point in your book. Have you thought of the golden rule of free markets? You can't, you can't participate in free markets unless you're giving something equal to or greater than what you're getting, right? Yeah, I think the, um, and I get in trouble every time I say this, I think that the, the free market is the greatest charity uh, you can devise. Um, because when it's done right, if you really read um, not Wealth of Nations, but Moral Sentiments before Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith, you realize that the free market will just give you whatever society wants. And if your capitalist, if your free market entrepreneurs are moral people, they are thinking to themselves, what would get this job done faster, better? How can I help people? The free market is about making people's lives easier, better, more healthy. But if the free market already is free and healthy and uh, pretty much spoiled, then your free market starts giving you diversions and it starts to get really, really corrupt and perverse because the people become more and more corrupt and perverse if they lose their moorings. So the, the, when capitalism and the free market is done right, it helps people because it incentivizes people to help others. You know, that's what I love about your book is because we are, have been a very prosperous society. We built it recently on lots and lots of debt and perversions of the free market, but hopefully it's not too late. And if we educate the next generation and show them the freedoms that they can have, the liberties, and contrast the two systems, we have a very amazing group of young people in this nation. I know you've got kids, I've got kids. We've got a great future if they get the right education. And so your book is an yes. important contribution to that education. I just want to thank you for that, Glenn, for writing that book. And I want to thank you for joining us in the Economic War Room. 
You bet. And thank you for everything that you do in the economic war room. I think your show is really, really important. Thank you. Thanks, Glenn. You know, in this election and probably for the next 10 elections of our lifetime, it will be the most important election we face. There's a stark contrast between two systems. We have socialism on one side. We have socialism light on the other sometimes. We've got to move more back to free market capitalism. And the way that we get that is we have to educate the next generation. And Blaze TV is one of the ways you can do that. You can educate people by getting them to subscribe to Blaze TV. Use the code word ECON. When you subscribe, you'll get $30 off. You'll get Glenn Beck, you'll get Mark Levin, you'll get Steven Crowder, you'll get Steve Deese, you will get Phil Robertson, and you'll get the Economic War Room. Ali Best Stuckey, just tremendous lineup of people. And you also can get a weekly battle plan. We produce it for every show, and you'll get your weekly battle plan for this show at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from The Economic War Room.